Uh, it's wonderful to see you all, and it's great to open God's Word together. What a privilege. Uh, keep your fingers in James chapter 4. We're going to keep coming back to that passage. But we are continuing our series in uh, respectable sins, as we're calling it, uh, some of the, thinking about some of the sins that we continue to live in that we really should be working hard to put off. Uh, and today we're considering, as Tim said, uh, judgmentalism or being judgy. But um, why don't I begin by asking for God's help as we look at this. Father God, be with us now as we consider your word and the way you want us to live. Father, show us how to judge all things with mercy and grace and truth the way that you do. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Well, a witch hunt uh, is a mob hunting, accusing, putting on trial and executing punishment upon somebody. Uh, a witch hunt, it's out to get somebody. And uh, originally, of course, witch hunts uh, were literally hunting for witches. Uh, perhaps most famously, the Salem witch trials in, uh, in Massachusetts in 1645, uh, in the modern era. This is just a crazy time. Uh, to share one cautionary tale, uh, really for my sake as much as anything, uh, the Reverend George Burroughs was the town minister and he was accused of being a witch. Uh, and the evidence against him, uh, the main piece of evidence, uh, there was a couple of things, but the main one was that he could lift a gun uh, by putting his finger in the barrel and then he could lift it. And uh, he was known to be able to do this and... As you all know, that's only possible with, you know, Satan. That, uh, so he was clearly a witch and there was no... The, actually, the other thing that they had against him that, that made them suspicious about him, he was accused of being a closet Baptist uh, be, because he didn't baptise his kids and so it's no wonder they were sus. Uh, and the, towns, the townspeople had it in for him and, uh, and he was uh, kind of strung up and he pled his innocence uh, and he said the Lord's Prayer... But they, they didn't care. He'd been judged, uh, and so he was hung. And I really just share it. Uh, the, the lesson is don't hang your minister. I'm, this is self-preservation, uh, just looking after. <laughs> uh, but Laura Bates, in her uh, book, 2019 book, uh, Burning, says, the witch hunts never stopped, now they're online. And uh, she maps the same kinds of hunts. Uh, one of the examples from her book is of high school students. You know, they, they pressure uh, young uh, women into kind of being sexual and then when they are they're accused of being promiscuous and then they're judged for that and once the accusations have made they stick and the person can't shake them uh, you know and that they'll even move schools and erase their social media and yet the accusations will follow them and they're hunted to have their lives destroyed again and our society right it's known to preach tolerance isn't it live and let live and yet what is, what is known as cancel culture, uh, it's never been more active and vicious. Uh, you know, and I could give any number of examples of, say, university lecturers who uh, you know, believe things that people didn't agree with and the mob kind of turns on them and, and runs them out and um, you know, they're, they're left pretty traumatised and often end up leaving their profession uh, as they're shouted off campus. Um, society pressures people to call out and shut down behaviour that's not approved. And so it's just this interesting, you know, society on one hand, it's all about tolerance, live and let live, and yet on the other hand, people have never seemed more judgmental. Well, what does the Bible say about all of this? Uh, James chapter 4, if you've got your finger in it still, verse 11 says, Don't criticise one another. 
brothers and sisters. He who criticizes a brother or judges his brother criticizes the law and judges the law. But if you judge the law, you're not a doer of the law, but a judge. And so it's pretty simple. The Bible says, don't judge. And we'll come back to this question of the law, um, but it's, it's very clear. Don't judge, don't criticize. To criticize here literally means to talk down about somebody, to speak badly of them. Um, it's saying don't be judgy. Uh, you know, the dictionary definition of uh, judgy is uh, someone that's tending to judge others harshly or critically. Uh, and in this series in Respectable Sins, sins we excuse need to be hard working uh, to put to death. Well, one such thing is our culture's practice of witch hunts, uh, fueled by self-righteousness, self-righteous hearts and unloving behavior. It's the kind of thing that followers of Jesus need to be striving to put off. So don't judge. There, easy. Sermon over. Don't judge. Simple. <laughs> but it's, it's not so simple, is it? Because uh, on the one hand, we're told not to judge, but on the other hand, we need to judge. We need to discern. On the other hand, uh, we have to make judgments. We need to decide between good and evil. We even need to call out evil when it is disguised as good. So to, to choose one example from the New Testament, 1 Corinthians 5.12, uh, it says we're to judge especially those inside the church, God's people. I'll read it. It says, For what business is it of mine to judge outsiders? Don't you judge those who are inside? But God judges outsiders. And so it's, it's saying that the people inside the church... We are, to, we are to judge them. Don't, don't judge the outsiders, but the people inside calling themselves followers of Jesus need to be called to repent of evil, uh, need to lovingly, gently be called to repent of evil. Uh, and then he quotes Deuteronomy about insiders saying, put away the evil person from among yourselves. Uh, so the Old Testament, uh, God's people then, as with the church now, God's people are to ensure that evil people claiming to be God's people need to be uh, removed, need to be put away. It sounds a little intense, doesn't it? But that's the reality. Obvious, ongoing, unrepentant sin needs to be uh, lovingly and gently, but needs to be called out. Outsiders, those outside the church, they need to hear the gospel. We tell them about Jesus. But insiders who, who say they follow Jesus need to be called to live lives of repentance and faith. And that's going to require some judging, surely, isn't it? We're going to have to do some discernment there. Uh, throughout, Scripture calls us to be discerning, to judge wisdom from folly. Uh, and I was thinking about these uh, things earlier this week as I went into a, a shop uh, of a local guy here. And I knew, the, I knew the owner. He's an older gentleman. Uh, and he greeted me. And as we got talking, uh, his, his phone rang. And uh, there's a phone kind of there in front of him. But I could hear in his other office the answering machine pick up the call. Uh, but he, he obviously hadn't heard it. And so he, he picks up the, the phone and he's like, hello, hello, hello. And he's like, what's, what's the matter? What the... Hello, hello. And he just kind of like starts, just keeps getting more frustrated and yelling at the phone. Eventually, he just picks it up and he smashes it on the ground right in front of me. It was, it was spectacular. Uh, but he wasn't finished. He, he set his rage upon the phone dock then and he kind of ripped it out of the wall and unplugged it and hurled it across the room. And <laughs> it was this marvellous display. Uh, and then, uh, then he turned to me and he said, so how can I help you? <laughs> and <laughs> I was there as it happened to return something I thought he'd give me that didn't work. Uh, <laughs> 
No, it's all okay. Uh, and I actually really like the guy. It's all good. I really like the guy, but I have to say, I think he has an anger problem. Uh, you know, I enjoy being his friend, but I wouldn't enjoy being his phone. He doesn't treat his phone very well. So judgments are important, right? Like, there's no use pretending. Otherwise, if someone asks me, oh, should I go to his shop? Well, I, I should give him a bit of a heads up, shouldn't I? Uh, maybe I'd say, if the phone rings, get out of there. <laughs> Mark is the only one that laughed at that. Uh, but it, in all seriousness, if, you know, if, he, if he asks me, do I have an anger problem? Uh, the loving thing to do is to be honest about it, isn't it? There's no use pretending otherwise. I need to gently, lovingly, with deep humility, uh, talk with him about him. And so we need to judge, and it's, it's really clear. It's, it's, uh, it's a part of life. And yet our passage in James uh, is saying don't judge, and it, it mirrors Jesus' famous words from Matthew 7.1 up on screen. Uh, do not judge so that you won't be judged. Or uh, in the old King James, judge not lest you be judged. And so there's some kind of uh, tension uh, there's cause for careful consideration here about uh, how to judge, when to judge, how we are to judge. And um, as is so often the case, the Bible points to our hearts uh, and it says, work on those, start there. So we're going to look at that now. Uh, we'll start by, start by recognizing this respectable sin in our own lives. Um, let's understand the ways that we are judgy. And the world uh, and our sinful nature, it does a lot of judging. Um, it's kind of, uh, it's inevitable in life in many ways. We find it hard not to be critical of those around us. And ultimately it comes from a place of self-righteousness. Uh, so, you know, like the fashionable person judges the daggy person as dorky, but then the daggy person judges the fashionable person as vain. Uh, the older person judges the younger person as lacking experience. The younger person judges the older person as out of touch. The poor person judges the wealthy person as being materialistic, and so on and so on. It's just kind of, it's so much a part of how we exist as a society, isn't it? We all focus on certain things and we value them. And so, you know, if you value, say, punctuality, being on time, you look down on late people. You're like, hmm. <laughs> we apply our own arbitrary standards to other people. You know, so if being on time is important to us, that's the thing we think matters, not running the red light to get there. Uh, we value the thing that we think matters. And, and sure enough, then, we look out at the other people around us and we see by our standards that we are doing pretty, pretty well. And all the others come up short. Uh, and it happens, uh, sadly, in church as well. You, you can see the same things happening. Uh, you know, like we take our goldenness very seriously. We try and be really careful. Uh, but the temptation is that because we've got one particular thing under control, then we, we judge other people who, in fact, may have uh, many more things uh, in a good place than we do. Uh, you know, the, the things that we get right, we look, on, we look down on others for not doing. Uh, you know, all, all, the, all the kind of really good things, like, you know, never missing Bible study or always being at church on time or, you know, always chatting to a new person or someone that needs help. All these really uh, good things, because we do them, then we look down on the people who don't. It's, it just happens so easily. It's so easy to get critical. Often we don't say it out loud, uh, unless perhaps we're talking to someone very close. We just think it, and, and, and we, we just notice, and, oh, there they are again. They're not doing that thing that they should again. It's so easy to get judgy. And, and without realizing it, there we are thinking, gosh, God is lucky to have me. 
Isn't it God? Gosh, God made a good investment picking me. And uh, without realising it, there we are, thinking like the Pharisees. Well, uh, hopefully that rings sort of true uh, on some level for you. I'm really just sharing my own struggles to my shame. Uh, but it's, it really is so easy. It's so much a part. It so, so easily creeps into the way that we think. Um, you can see in a lot of the, uh, the descriptions I had there that uh, the issue of standards is at the heart of things. You, you criticise someone else. Um, you're judging what they should have done. You're judging, as James says, the law. You're saying the things that I get right are the things that matter, uh, and they are, the, they are the key things. They should be the law. And so that's what James is getting at in 4.11, uh, in second half 4.11, he says, he who criticizes a brother or judges his brother criticizes the law and judges the law. But if you judge the law, you are not a doer of the law, but a judge. Well, can you see what he's, uh, what he's getting at here? The law doesn't uh, say, if you get the things that Josh thinks is important right, that's what matters. That's not what the law says. The law says, love your neighbor. The law says, don't criticize and slander. And we're also told, of course, that it is God. We're reminded God is the judge. Verse 12 continues saying, There's one lawgiver and judge who's able to save and to destroy, but who are you to judge your neighbour? Who are you to judge? God is the judge. Yes, we need to discern, but don't forget, God, at the end of the day, God is the judge. And we're actually told, don't get judgy or God will get judgy with you. That's Jesus' point in the mirror passage in Matthew 7, 1, up on screen. It says, uh, Do not judge so that you won't be judged, but with the judgment that you use, you will be judged. And with the measure you use, it will be measured to you. So it's saying the way that you treat others, that's how God's going to treat you. If you're judgy and critical and ungracious to them, then that is how God will be judging you ungraciously. I hope you realise how terrifying that is. And so why is that the case? Why is it the, that God will judge us the way we judge other people? Well, let's turn to consider our, our next point, why being judgy is so bad. Uh, and in a nutshell, it's that it doesn't show the kind of mercy and grace that we've been shown in Christ. Uh, even if we, if we don't really understand uh, Christ's grace, oh, sorry, it, it, when we judge other people, it shows that we haven't really understand Christ's grace. To us. Um, and so did you, I don't know if you noticed the Old Testament reading, Psalm 140, you're probably thinking, why are we reading this? Uh, but the first three verses, I'll put them up on screen there. David cries, uh, cries out, and it's really the cry of all humanity, of all those who are judged. Uh, ultimately, it's the cry of Christ on the cross. He says, rescue me, Lord, from evil men, and keep me safe from violent men who plan evil in their hearts. They stir up wars all day long. They make their tongues as sharp as a snake's bite. Vipers' venom is under their lips. And so this is the cry of, of those who were slandered, the so-called witches who were hunted, the, the teenage girls or, or lecturers who were, who were chased off the campus. Um, this was their cry too. It's the cry of all who were accused or thought badly of or who were seen in a bad light by people unfairly. They cry out, rescue me, Lord. Look at these people stirring up arguments and war against me. S rescue me. You know, look at these people. Their tongues are as sharp as snake bites with venom under their lips. And so David says in uh, verse 11, 
uh, of chapter four, of 140. He says, Do not let a slanderer stay in the land. Let evil relentlessly hunt down a violent man. And so he's saying, Don't let a slanderer remain. Hunt down the witch hunters, the judgy. Remove them from the land. Uh, and to cut a long story short, uh, in, in biblical theology, uh, we, we, we see that the Psalms really are the cries of Jesus. These accusations that, the, that David cries out against in the Psalm are those that the son of David, Jesus, uh, he cries out as he is accused, as he is shouted at by the crowds who say, crucify him, his blood be on our hands. So the accusations and slander uh, is that which Jesus bore for us. The sin he bore was our sin. Who of us is not uh, deserving of such slander? Who of us is not deserving of others' critical eye, of other people's disapproval on, on, uh, on some level, if not many? And yet God in Christ bears our iniquities and shame so that God can uh, show us mercy when he comes to judge us. And so when God uh, judges, uh, when God judges, sorry, when God the judge judges, uh, he can forgive us because of what Christ bore, because, because Christ bore that slander. We can be forgiven. And so this is the question uh, that we're looking at today. How should we treat other people? How should we treat other people? Dare we judge them? Dare we hold their shortcomings against them? Dare we hold their transgressions against them? Dare we treat them with anything but great mercy and grace? And so that is how it's fair for God to say, um, I'll treat you the way you treat other people. It's because the ungracious person, they haven't really understood the gospel. Being, uh, being judgy, it's the action of, of someone who still has more learning to do at the foot of the cross, who still needs to understand the gospel more, who still needs to let its grace and mercy continue reforming their hearts and minds. On, on some level, that's all of us, isn't it? But God is jealous to have us learn this. So James 4.5 says, uh, uh, it'll, is it? No, it won't come up on screen, but hopefully your finger is still there. James 4.5 says, uh, Or do you think it's without reason the scripture says, that the, holy, uh, that the spirit who lives in us yearns jealously, but he gives greater grace. And so there's this picture of the spirit yearning for us, uh, uh, giving us grace. God's spirit longs to teach us these lessons, to have us put to death our old judgy self, the self who loves the world and its self-righteousness. And the answer is it's humility in verse 6. Verse 6 continues saying, Therefore he says, God resists the proud but gives grace. To the humble, and so that's really that's really the key, then, isn't it? Um, as we as we consider our next point, beating judginess. How are we going to beat? How are we going to beat judginess? As we reach into the gospel toolkit, what will we find? How will we not be judgy? Well, this is the first thing. It's humility. We need to have a deep, deep understanding of our need for grace and mercy. Um, we need to wear this humility on our sleeves. When someone looks at us, they should see the gratitude on our face. So that when we judge others, we don't forget how much grace we need, how, does, how, how much we need God's gracious judgments. Yes, we take our godliness very seriously, but if we think we can get smug, we're not as godly as we think we are. At that point, we have a log in our eye. You remember Jesus in Matthew 7, he goes on to talk about the man who has the log in his eye and yet he sees a speck in somebody else's. 
We have a log in our eye. And so when we see, when we see a speck in somebody else's, when we go to, to correct, as we began with, when we go to um, talk to that person that's not living as they should, we need to be so careful. We need, it's like removing a splinter from someone's eye. We need to be so gentle, so careful. And Galatians 6, I, I, won't, I won't turn there, Galatians 6 says, before you go and talk with your brother or sister, um, first we need to examine our heart. It says, first we need to return to this deep, deep, Humility, it really is the key to being uh, gracious and not judgmental. The second thing in the Gospel Toolkit to beat judginess is uh, love. We need to treat everyone with love. It's kind of obvious, isn't it? <laughs> we need to treat uh, everyone with the kind of love that God treats us with. We think about uh, God as the judge. There's God, there he is, he's the judge, and he sees a problem, and how does he act, right? How does, what kind of God... Uh, what kind of judge is God? What, how does God judge us? Uh, in, in 2016, uh, Judge Louis uh, Oliveira uh, was faced with sentencing a man, there he is there in, in the US, um, he was faced with sentencing Joseph Serena. And uh, Joseph, Joseph was a special forces soldier, having uh, served four tours in Afghanistan, um, and as is, um, you know, as is sometimes the case, he hadn't adjusted well in returning back to society. He had PTSD, uh, and so he'd found himself kind of in a bit of trouble, eventually ending up on a, a veteran's treatment program after he'd been caught drink driving. Uh, and then this time he was caught again, and so he had to be sentenced to time in jail. But this really grieved uh, Judge Oliveira because... Um, he too, the judge also in the past, was a, was a veteran, was a soldier. He was a Gulf War veteran. And so he said, uh, I quote, When Joe first came to turn himself in, he was trembling. So I decided I'd spend the night serving with him. And so the, the judge sentenced Joseph to 24 hours in jail, but then spent the night in the cell with him on a mattress on the floor beside him. The judge, he, he feared that the, the cell would kind of trigger his PTSD, uh, Joe's PTSD, and so he stayed with him throughout the night and talked with him. Uh, Joseph later described the time in the cell uh, as full of uh, personal father-son conversations. Uh, and then uh, this, is a, this is them embracing after spending a night together. Joseph, he promised the judge there'd be no more mess-ups, saying, I don't want to let you down ever. Uh, and it kind of it gets me, right, uh, just as I think of the compassion of the judge and as I think of how God has treated uh, me, has treated us, it's, it's so moving. And as we uh, return to ask this question of, uh, you know, how, how shall we judge other people, uh, this question of criticizing others, if I could leave you with one rule, it's this, treat people how you want God to treat you, <laughs> graciously, with great mercy. See, how does God judge us? He sees us, he recognises our great need, our huge problem, uh, you know, our huge righteousness problem. Uh, and so does God uh, judge by standing there and pointing the finger and condemning and criticising everything we do? Does he stand there shaking his head disapprovingly? No. How does God judge? He recognises our problem and he steps in to help us. He not only takes our punishment in Jesus, he, he gives us his spirit to talk us through living out a new, better life in him. And so dare we judge our neighbour without first stepping in to help him as God has helped us? Of course not. 
When we think of God's mercy, we need to be full of mercy and grace as we see other people's faults. Let me pray. Father God, who cannot be deeply moved and humbled when we think of how you saw us and seeing our problems, you stepped in to rescue us? Father, you've taken pity on us and in your abundance of mercy, which overflows to our lives, you've given us what we lacked. So Father, thank you. And now Father, give us deep humility, we ask. May we judge others as you judge us with great mercy, love and kindness. Father, fill our hearts and change our lives with your loving kindness. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.